welcome to the Not Quite the Afterglow podcast, your chance to see inside the mind of a British 40-something man and his 30-something wife. Not your average couple, but then this is not your average podcast. Hey guys, welcome to episode 12 of Not Quite the Afterglow. My name is Richard. And I'm Chloe. I've been doing a lot of shopping. You always do a lot of shopping. <laughs> but the problem is that I, I, I disappeared into town today to do some shopping and I was met by... When Richard said he's going to go shopping, what he means is he pops into a supermarket to get maybe two or three things that and have we'll been come out with four bags pre-agreed and, and then comes home with stuff that we don't necessarily need. Right, so I was met by this fervent crowd of what I would call Christmas shoppers. I don't mean people who are buying Christmas presents to give to other people. I mean people who are buying like it's going to be a nuclear winter on Wednesday and they need to prepare for Christmas like now. Maybe it's because it's payday in November. I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. But for example, certain food lines were wiped out in this major supermarket. I mean, shelves were empty. And I'm just thinking, does someone know something that we don't? Prepping for the end of the world. And that's just it. I mean, what 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 is the sort of whole ethos around why do people need 20 bottles of Prosecco, pigs in blankets, you know, these sausages and bacon things uh, in, in November? Prosecco's been on special offer, though, so it has been very, very cheap. So you do want to so be stocking the, it up. So if the end of the world arrives, no one no one in Wiltshire will have prepared for, with food, but everyone will be drunk on Prosecco. Well, no, you did, you just said pigs in blankets. Well, that Was that a big seller? Yeah. They, 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 I mean, I don't... I, I just went and looked to see what Christmas stuff was in, and it was it was, there was like one box left, and some old lady grabbed that. To be fair, I don't eat pork anymore, but back in the day when I did used to eat pork, like sausages were were high up on my thing on my uh, so list of favourite So, do you think people stuff. are getting preparing, to, well, like, 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 going know. into practice for I Christmas? Think, I think it's one of those things like uh, when mince pies first come out in the shops. Like, I'm already you know, on my third box of twelve. I know, but mince pies come out like August, September. But yeah. Um, I think it's one of those things that people love it so much, like the pigs in blankets, which is basically sausages wrapped in bacon. Um, I think people see them and they just think, God, I love them so much. I just got to have them now. Like, I, I don't want to wait. Because, I mean, mince pies, I think, is there not a proper time you're supposed to eat them? Again, I don't eat mince pies know. either. But is there not like a proper time you're supposed to eat them? Like, you know, when you have hot cross buns at Easter, you're not supposed to eat them right throughout the whole of Easter. There's like a set time when you're well, supposed to eat well, them. Well, I got excited last night because, you know, a lot of the time when you're fast asleep snoring, I can't sleep. And I was reading an article at like two o'clock this morning on the alcohol content of mince pies. And I was getting quite excited because I was thinking, Do maybe they have that... much in them? Well, that's the thing. You'd, you'd assume that. Well, obviously, some of the the nicer mince pies have got cognac and they've got a bit of brandy in, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the thing is, it would reduce down so much when they're being cooked; it's negligible. I just do you know what? I have a vague memory of doing uh, what was called food technology when I was at school. God, we didn't do anything like that. And it was before I did my GCSE, so it was when it was you know like everyone had to do it. And I do vaguely remember making mincemeat one year. And we were told that when we took it home, we could feed it with alcohol if if we wanted to. So I suppose it would be a mince pie. Food technology is one of those subjects that, you know, sort of gimps took when media studies. Media, media studies was the in thing. It's just like, who did media studies? Or- well, as you know, GCSEs 
uh, as they were, would come in and out of fashion of what would be compulsory and not compulsory. So GCSEs to American listeners are the exams that children in the UK take at age 16, which determine yeah. the rest of their life. I mean, how stupid is that? But the year that I did mine, uh, the government had decided that everyone had to take technology. So that was either food or it was like redis- resistant materials. Resistant or materials? Was... What's that? Is that like bondage, PVC? Yeah. <laughs> resistant materials was just... To, to resistant do like... materials? Woodwork. They mean woodwork, yeah. don't they? Well, no, Why did they call could... it woodwork? Resistant because it... materials? Because it was like plastic and stuff. Like... I'm sure that it was called resistant materials. And then... Well, like I'd... craft design and technology or resistant materials. I'm sure Metal that's work. what it was. I don't know. I did food because, you know, I love food. Um... <laughs> in fact, everyone I, has to eat. I did very well. I did get an A in my food technology. Really? But really? Yeah. But really? This, my mum always laughs because one of the things that I did was we had to make. You can't make beans. I can make beans. You can't make beans. Every time you serve me baked beans, they're wrong. Well, that's just you just like them mushy. I, I like yeah. But, anyway. I mean, but if someone who's got an A in food technology, why can't you make me baked beans? Well, I got maybe my you own... should have done resistant technologies. Maybe. I got my maybe A. You'd have undu- maybe you'd have understood the conductive properties of a pan if you'd done resistant materials and couldn't be babies properly. I did my GCSE. One of the big things I did was we had to make a takeaway. Basically, it was about soup. We had to do this soup, soup. that was like a takeaway soup. How can you do an exam on soup? We don't do an exam. It's like a whole project. And on it had soup. to be, you had to talk about the packaging and you had to do, you had to start with like a recipe that you, you know, you sort of tailored and, and made into a final recipe. And my, mine was like a, a chicken noodle soup. And basically I'd had some fanciful recipe that had, you know, like those dried mushrooms and you've got to soak yeah, yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Started off with that. Basically the uh, the recipe ended up with something like two liters of, of uh, chicken stock from a stock cube. Um, like so it didn't taste the chicken a at all. A spring onion, a tiny bit of cucumber and a packet of noodles. <laughs> and, and you got examined for this. And that, that was basically... That, that's why leaders of men didn't come out of devices in, in the 1990s. Eh? But that, that was basically... Uh, my soup but uh, <laughs> well i i went to a very exclusive all boys school where we didn't do stuff like that we did you did, did resistant w- materials no we did yeah we did woodwork and metalwork but we did important things like economics and we had debating clubs and general studies whatever the hell that was but um yeah i mean a different time and a place different generation but getting back to this food thing it does i i noticed some people when they walk around the supermarkets and Maybe this leads on to what you were talking about just now. I see a lot of people who buy a lot of convenience food. And I buy quite a few bits of convenience food when I want to pig out. But a lot of people who don't realise that actually sometimes it's it's cheaper to prep stuff than it is to actually buy stuff. And you see the cardboard boxes they've taken out, the freezer chiller cabinets, and it's all full of salt and it's all full of preservatives. It's not very good food. But maybe some people haven't been taught how to cook. Maybe they, you know, maybe that's what it is. And this stuff's more expensive as well. Yeah, but it's. I think it's sometimes it's a, a time element as well, isn't it? Because some things you perceive that it would take longer to do. Like if you were going to make like a bechamel sauce or something. If you like, if you're making a lasagna, it does I'm take not a while knocking to, like, them. Prep this it is, this, but this isn't a class thing. I'm not knocking people who who don't know how to cook. But it's when I see people who've got their trolleys completely loaded up, and when you see what they're buying, there's almost nothing fresh. There's nothing fresh. Everything I, is. I prepped. have to say, as someone, because I I do like our main shop 
every yeah, other week. You make week. a lot of things from scratch. I do our main shop like every other week, but then I do little shops in between. And then I do the, full, the big and shops. And then you just buy Crap. random stuff that I then have to try and fit into everything else. But uh, sometimes I will go to the supermarket and buy quite odd combinations of stuff and I and I'm stood there and I'm queuing to go and pay and I think I hope no one's judging my my conveyor belt because I I might have picked like the most bizarre combination of stuff uh like the time I don't know if you can remember this when it was our wedding anniversary what did you do and I went to Tesco and I bought a pie well it was the must have been four years, so it was the theme was like fruit and vegetables or something. I don't know why you even think, but do me a favour, stop doing it. Wedding anniversaries, wood, whatever it is, it's just a wedding anniversary. Don't theme stuff. It's bollocks. Just, just, it's give me a card. I'm quite happy with it. I don't need to know if it's steel, wood, lace, leather. Do you not remember what I bought in no. Tesco? No, not at all. Why would I? In my basket, I had a pineapple. Pineapple. And a um, some lube. Some lube. <laughs> really. <laughs> Yeah, and a card. I, I threw that and away. I think that was all I bought actually. <laughs> and I it was one of those I hope no one's judging my basket things. Seeing what you can do with that pineapple. Have you been watching some Adam Sandler film or something before you went shopping? Were you influenced by No comment. Hitler in a miniskirt. Okay. But getting getting back to this topic, you you see photos from friends in America where there's real life disasters potentially, where there's hurricanes, where there's real life big storms nor'westers coming in or whatever and quite rightly the, the first thing people do is go and buy all the bread and all the milk and all the eggs and all the sustenance they need to do because there's no support system there or they have to you know they're, they're not going to rely on anyone other than themselves to feed themselves in the uk we don't generally have that but we still see shelves empty whenever anyone says it's going to snow you walk into sainsbury's and it's a mad panic for white medium sliced bread and milk and eggs and stuff, and you're thinking, the shops are still going to be, you know, open, the roads are going to be gretted, and there's, we don't have those disasters. And this happens at Christmas, before Christmas, it's nuts. It, like, I don't know, you, you kind of get into this mentality of, like, if I stock up with enough stuff before Christmas, I won't have to go in the shops for, like, a week, because very few people as i say i do our like main shop every other week and i i think a lot of people nowadays don't do that big you know once a week shop or anything like that a lot of people do like the little shops particularly because nowadays um you you have different the choices as well yeah, um, yeah but you have different choices in specific shops like i'll do the big shop every other week because that supermarket is generally probably more expensive for a lot of things, but it carries stuff that some of the cheaper supermarkets but, but don't But you don't carry. even walk around the supermarket. You do it online and pick it up. I do. I, I have to admit... You I, never walk around the supermarket. I sit on my phone or on my tablet and I order via an app and I... I don't get it delivered to the house because I find that too much of a You're bind. a millennial. You're a millennial. You do stuff like that. Whereas I like to walk around the supermarket and see Oh, no, see don't get me wrong. Buying, I do like walking around. However, no, I do. But when you've got very... If you have a really big shop and you buy, I don't know, say, four kilos of potatoes, well, the trolley is really kilos? hard to push around. No, it's not. It's got wheels. Yeah, but it, when it's heavy and it's full. Uh, it's got wheels. Well, do you know what? So is my car. And my car's got wheels that drive into a little carport and someone opens the door and then they just give me these crates of food, which I then transfer into the boot and then I drive home. And this is the best bit. Well... It used to be the best bit. Now, obviously, we have both children at, at school full time, but one of them used to only be in nursery three days a week. And if I picked up the shopping on a day when he was at home, he'd like unpack all the shopping. I'd just put it in the doorway, stand in the kitchen, and like one by one, he'd put it in the But he would open items. the eggs and give you one egg at a time. 
No, he wasn't. He was He's very done that good. Before. He was very good. He did Bless used to him. have a thing where you know, like when you buy mushrooms and they have that that sort of mm. wrapping stuff over the top yep. that punctures really easy. He did used to love poking his fingers in there. I have to admit that, but it it was brilliant. I mean, this is the whole point of having kids is them to do stuff for you. It is, but also so that they can push me around in my wheelchair when I'm old. Yes, well, that'll be heavy, see? Well, I'm determined. One of them's going to be a fantastic guitarist. The other one's going to be a massive drummer or a roadie. I think that's what they're going to be. We shall uh, see, but it depends. You know, if the end of the world comes and, and we've run out of um, pigs in blankets, I don't. nothing's going to become of any of us, is it? I just don't understand it. I can't see the mentality of stocking up for Christmas four weeks in advance food-wise it just makes no sense to me at all and here was i walking around thinking you know does someone know something i don't i'm looking at the weather forecast thinking is there you know massive hailstorm coming in or something it's just insanity Do you know what if it was maybe going to be the end of the world well i don't i still probably wouldn't go back to eating pork but i would quite happily drink all the prosecco just to, you know <laughs> just to go through it in a haze the thing that gets me that if something did kick off if I mean, we live, people say we live in a civilised society, stuff won't break down, but stuff has broken down in civilised societies all over the world. And I'm not talking about these prepping shit hits the fan situations, but if situations did break down where supplies were low on stuff, do you really think people would... What do you think would happen? Uh, I don't know. The thing is, I suppose people do have, like, well... It's 50-50. A lot of people who are living literally hand-to-mouth would have no food. I mean, it's well documented that food the banks. use of food yeah. banks and stuff is, is sky high at the moment. So that would be a huge issue. Um, but I, I don't really know what would happen, I suppose. But the thing is, I always have this mentality. I'm so different to you. I'm like You are completely different to me. You know, there's, a, there's a reason why, though. If, if it's the end of the world and it's all getting a bit hairy, like I'm, I'm just quite happy to die. Like... I, I don't right. want to. I don't want to so, survive. Right. Here's, if there's here, only 20 here's the people thing. Left. I, I grew up in a very small village. That when the weather got bad, we would actually be cut off. We, the, we. Yeah, and you had a generator. We, we had a generator. Well. We, you know, we had a caravan down the side of the house, so we had a gas gas oven in there to cook when everything was off because there's no gas in the village. So we were in a fortunate position. But when stuff happened, it might be five to seven to ten days before anyone could go and do any food shopping. And I remember one situation, food being brought in by helicopter. So, you know, we were very remote. When we got cut off, we were the last people really to be turned back on from an electricity perspective, from a food provision perspective. So you grew up knowing that you had enough stuff, like you had, you had spare dried soups, you had canned vegetables. Did you, you have a list stuff. of who yeah. you'd eat first? No, not, no, <laughs> no. But I do remember opening the freezer one day and seeing a pig's head and trotters. My dad had bought an entire pig chopped up pig and that's quite i was 13 or 14 i thought it was fantastic get it out and show my sisters who are traumatized but you do have this sort of survivalist mentality and i think that's followed me throughout my entire life and certainly long before 10 15 years before i met you i was exactly the same i haven't really changed no i have to say like if if we had to survive um, you've probably got like four or five of those little Swiss Army knives. That are Swiss handy. Army, I have everything. So I have everything. I, we are, we you know, I'm, we're very fortunate as a family that we have sort of four months supply of food and water and stuff like that, which is important. It's not good food though. We've got. I, no, I it mean, is good food. I mean, listen, listen. If you had to eat, the fact if you've got canned veg and you've got soups and you've got all the protein you need and you've got flour and you've got I egg powder and you've got everything. Maybe eight 
Frey bentos pies in the back of that's the That's not survival. That's that's normality. That I would eat them. <laughs> I would eat those night and day if I possibly could. But seriously, if anything happened to us from a from a food, from a water purification, from a medicine, from a munitions armament, and and we're also surrounded by people who've never ever had to go and fish or they've never killed for food. They've never. I think though they've in- never shot a rabbit. They've never shot a pigeon. They've never prepped anything. And to me, it's like you know. No big deal. You I know, do but it. do you know what? It's like when you watch those um, sort of TV programs where people get stranded on an island or... That's my like, idea of heaven. Like, well, I was going to say like Lord of the Flies, which yeah. would not be your idea of heaven. What would you be in Specky and having asthma? But Well, no, uh, but I have, I have two years supply of asthma medication, so I'm laughing. Yeah, but, um, you know, in that sort of like people being in a situation where they where they've never sort of hunted anything or caught fish and had to gut them and cook them and things like that but you know we're we're fairly adaptable i mean that's why you know through evolution we are where we are now i think no i think we're in a worse position evolution wise because i think evolution and media and this nanny state the last 20 or 30 years has made people soften the fact that people don't think about where their food comes from or people don't think about what they need to do in a in a survival situation and you see this when people panic like they did in london the other night um people don't don't think about their surroundings they don't think about the people around and they don't prepare for stuff they don't think about where they're going to they don't research stuff and i think you know maybe maybe one of the things we should teach people in schools better is you know better understanding of your surroundings better understanding of how to look after yourself because i tell you what if if something did happen I'm not going to be waiting for a water bowser to appear or a standpipe to appear. We're laughing. I don't have to think about anything. You know, if the push comes to shove, I'm not going to be queuing at a food shop because we're, we're sorted. We don't need to think about anything. I have to say, one of the things that, that schools are, are doing a lot more, I mean, obviously, particularly forest schools, are teaching children sort Wood, of... Woodcraft and stuff. Uh, basic skills that you, you know, things like, you know, how to make a fire, yeah, how to great. feed a fire, because... Um, you know, and this goes back to years and years ago, but uh, back in the day, uh, I used to like going to Reading Festival, and in open those days, time. in those days, you were allowed to have open fires and stuff. And you know, there's been other times when I've been with people that that have fires, and there is there is an art to sure. to having a fire and to and to run it efficiently um, without using loads and loads of wood. I mean, you would think it was just not, simple. It's, you it's just not, start a fire. It's, it's not just about using lots and lots of wood. It's about starting a fire. Yes. How many people, how many times have you seen me start a fire with matches or a lighter? Majority of the time I, I don't use either. I use I use a flint. Yes, you do. How many people could light, how many people listening to this podcast could light a sustainable fire in 20 seconds with a flint and not have it go out? Probably 2% of people listening to this show. I know, but then I suppose again, going back to the survival situation, you you have that I say the luxury of time, but you know you have a lot of time that you you know if it took you like an hour to to start a fire, it takes you an hour to start a fire. I mean, what what else are you going to do in that time? Because every minute is about you know contributing. But the to other survival. thing about the other thing about you know you saying about these schools teaching what I would call bushcraft or something like that. I think this is this is fantastic because. Most people, when they start a fire, build a fire out of ton. You know, they, all of a sudden, they've got this massive pile of firewood, which is probably the most ridiculous way to build a fire. You know, you, you don't need a lot of wood to cook a meal. You just no. have to be very sensible. I think, yeah, that people always. This is what used to happen before. Like people get tempted to build massive a big fires. fire, yeah. and I mean, 
you know, you can get, I mean, obviously you wouldn't build it so tiny, but, you know, if you ever light a candle and you yeah. sit around a candle, a candle can give out quite a lot of heat and it is the tiniest, tiniest little flame. Mm. So that, you know, should tell you that you don't need to build a huge fire to have, you know, a, a nice bit of warmth. I can cook a meal for four with a Ziploc bag full of fire material that most people would go and have like cut a small tree up to do it on an open fire and i would still have i would still have material left and that and what kind of meal would it be though oh you wouldn't eat it but then you've already said (laughs) you want to die i'm quite happy to survive but this this is the thing i mean most people just haven't got a clue how to build a basic shelter haven't got a clue at all you know they're all into these debris shelters in the woods and you look at them like jesus that's just going to collapse on your head most people haven't got a clue how to stay warm and they you know in these situations they spend more time burning calories and potentially risking hurting themselves building these things than the damage it's going to do to their body loss of calories and etc etc and I want my kids to grow up knowing that if something happens, you don't panic, you just get on with it. But your mum's quite happy to die. <laughs> well, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. If people want if people want to give up first thing, that's great because there's only going to be a limited amount of food and I, I'm, I'm not interested in carrying passengers. But we should all have these skills that you know how to do a basic shelter, you know how to keep warm, you know how to how to insulate yourself you know how to use a knife you know how to use a gun you know how to gut an animal you know how to skin an animal you know how to prep your food you know how to make sure you've got clean water and you know how to do medication and all that stuff is real base stuff because i tell you what what i don't want to happen is we get to a situation where we 10 15 years down the line have a generation of people who are totally reliant on the state where there's no investment to help them in an emergency I think I think generally your motto is always be prepared. Yeah, I always have a bag in the boot of my car. Well, that hang on, that's that's not your motto though. That's that's the uh, scout's motto. I always got, be prepared. Yeah, but I I wasn't a scout. Uh, no, didn't you say you were a scout? But they you got kicked out of the scout. I did get kicked out of the stack scouts. Yeah, I had a, uh, I have the, I have this thing where I don't play very well as a team. I'm really not interested in being a team player. I'm very. It's not that I'm insular. You're you know, it's my it's not, not my way or the high. No, it's not. It's not that I'm <laughs> not good with people. I. I'm not tolerant with people. Yeah, I'm not very tolerant with people. I'm really not. You know, it's my way. It's my way or no way. prove to me. No, no, it's not. If you can prove to me that there's a better way of doing it and that's good, we can we can work we can we can work on that and then say it was my idea. That's great. Um but genuinely, um you know, maybe the scouting movement can help. Maybe maybe we need more people in the scouts and stuff like that. Maybe that that's an idea. Well, actually, uh, well, the um, the whole scouting movement is very short on volunteers because people don't want to be accused of being paedophiles. Well, yes, but also it, genuinely, that's the problem. But also, people um, have a lot more other commitments and stuff now. I don't think people quite have the the same amount of spare time to uh, to dedicate to these things. When I grew up, it was Cubs, then Scouts, then Venture Scouts, and Venture Scouts existed for two things and only. One was because it was a fantastic place to drink. You could drink with fellow other people who were interested in the scouting. And two, um, they all seemed to date each other. I noticed that all the Venture Scouts all dated each other. It was a, it sort of guaranteed, a guaranteed thing. And uh, I really wasn't into that. My sister was a Venture Scout. My older sister, my middle the the oldest sister, she was a Venture Scout. She loved it. She did all the canoeing and stuff like that, which I've never, I've never really thought of. 
I can't think of anything more hilarious than you in a canoe, to be honest. I, I, I just, I would just go around in circles. I can't see the point. I'm, a, I'm a landlubber. I'm quite happy, you know, putting my hammock up or putting a tent up or putting a ground sheet up or a basher or whatever. And just surviving by yourself in the yep, woods. Yeah, quite happy. Yep, more than happy. I have wet and dry gear in the boot of my car. I have a basher sheet. I have a small stove. Everywhere I go, I carry a stove. First aid kit. Yeah, I have to say, um, obviously, you travel a lot for work and. I think it's one of those things like you should always have a good supply of stuff in the back of your car just because... Or even when you're travelling. Well, when yeah, you're traveling e- even when you're travelling normally, yeah. but definitely in your car you should always have stuff. I mean, back in, back in the day, I I used to think I was fairly organised because I had a roll of bin bags. I had spare oil roll, for my yeah. car. I always had a toilet roll in there. I also always had uh, a change of clothes, a bottle of wine and a sleeping bag. Bottle of wine. That's the thing, right? <laughs> so you were prepared. <laughs> I was prepared. I was mostly prepared for like being at a friend's house and it turns into a bit of a party and I'm not going home. Um, but I, I was sort of fairly prepared. I think, did I? I may have had a few snacks in there. At one stage, I had a spare bikini, which I'm not really sure of because I never really wear bikinis. But nowadays... Have. It wouldn't fit now. <laughs> of course it wouldn't fit. But nowadays... I, I have a very small boot and I don't travel far, but we we make sure in our in our main cars we always have stuff. And Richard loves it as a novelty if we're out somewhere for quite a long time that he'll say like, "Do you want a cup of tea when we get back to the car?" <laughs> or like, "You've made you made the boys hot chocolate before." Yeah, well, they could have had anything they wanted, but I, I in the boot of my car for the last fifteen years, I carry what I call my get home bag, which is a. It's about three to four days provision of food, which packs down to nothing. There's a fire kit, there's a tea kit, there's a There's an awful kit. lot of biscuits. There's some biscuits. Yeah, but biscuits are high on energy and you need that, especially well, if you're in shock. Well, a diminishing or, supply, actually, because when... The boys like them. Yeah, when the you, boys, when you the have... The boys know the, that they're in the boot or they're when, in the, in the front. Yeah, when you have... Because you've got a, some in the glove box, those little tiny packets that have got, like, two in them. And sure. the boys know that they're in there. And they'll be like, oh, we're hungry. We know you've got biscuits. And I'll say, oh, they're for an emergency. And they say, it is an emergency. I'm really hungry. I, I always have a little Esbit stove with some hexi blocks. I think I've little, got a little camping gas stove in there. I've got, you know, everything that I need. I can, you know, and if it does happen. I have been in situations driving to Scotland in the snow where I was stuck in my car overnight. And everyone else panicked and I pulled over and I got my foil. It's not foil. It's a Mylar sleeping blanket out and a sleeping bag and my put some socks on and I was absolutely fine with an army blanket on the top I cooked myself a meal and in fact last year there was that woman who broke down in Trowbridge in the rain and the wet and she was stuck there for three hours oh, yeah. I made you know I, I said do you want a cup of tea and she was like when you know it's the middle of the night and I was like look I'll just make you a cup of tea so I made her, her and her daughter and the rescue man a cup of tea and they were just like how have you got all this stuff in the boot of your car I didn't want to say well <laughs> they like to be prepared yeah yeah, I mean, there's a limit to what you can. I mean, occasionally I've had a rifle in there or whatever, but it's more the fact that, you know, you just have sensible provisions. I do actually carry welly boots in the boot of my car. And in the summertime, actually, I have um, buckets and spades just because there's a, a place near here where they have really big sand pits and I take the boys. I don't know how much that counts as being prepared. But as apparently should be prepared. I've got two bags here, just literally a foot away from where we're recording, where two foot away from a recording, where, you know, if anything ever happened, we grab and go. To be fair, actually, one of the things about being a mum is that a mum's handbag contains... Exactly. Or, like, so many things that you wouldn't believe. I mean, even just my regular purse with my money in has, like plasters in it and you know emery board emergency hair tie 
you know, in, and in my handbag, you know, aside from the broken crayons and, you know, half packets of sweets and stuff, I have like little bits of medication stuff, you know, often spare underwear for a child, maybe even trousers as well if it's been a really uh, unsure time of illness or something, you know, nearly always carry a drink, just, you know, odd bits. I- I've been in situations where I've been... I remember I was in Switzerland a few years ago and we were stuck. We went out with, with, with guys from work and we were absolutely stuck. There was nowhere to go and buy bottled water. And I had my water bottle there and um, I just purified a load of water from the local water source, which happened to be the lake, and drank it. And, my, and everyone was looking at me like I was an idiot. And I was just like, look, there's 10 million gallons of water in there. And they're saying, yeah, but ducks swim in it. And animals d- drop dead in it. And I was just like, yeah, but... I." <laughs> Here, water pump, filter, clean, water. And people look at me like I'm an idiot, like, why do you carry stuff around? But I do, I have in my laptop bag, wherever I go, when I go to London, wherever I go anywhere, I have a really small kit that has my first aid kit, that has a foil blanket in there, that has all the stuff that I need, and it has had for years. This is not new, this is since, you know, 2005, 2006. I have everything that I need in there to, to, to just sort things out. Because I tell you what, when it panics and people haven't got stuff, that's when the shit hits the fan. If you're prepared, it do- nothing phases you. See, I think, as I say, you're obviously uh, definitely a Boy Scout at heart. It's not necessarily a Boy Scout. It's just common sense. If I'm travelling and I'm away from home and something happened, you know you don't have to worry about anything because you, you've got everything here. Yes, I do. Absolutely everything. You don't have to worry about clean water or fuel or anything. It's all sorted. And it, and it costs nothing. If someone said, to, and in fact, in, in Germany now, it's law. You have to have 30 days drinking water. And growing up when I was a child, when we used to be in holiday in Switzerland and Germany, you go into their nuclear shelters or their, their, their basements, and you would see that they had potted meats and they had fed vegetables and they had dehydrated stuff and they had drinking water and they had obligatory gallons of wine and spirits. But they had enough to support themselves now how many houses in the uk have got enough drinking water for like three to four adults for two or three weeks i think after the podcast anyone who listens to this will be stocking up cost, but, cost, uh, it, cost, it costs many. about 16 or 18 pounds to supply enough drinking water for a month for four adults but people don't realize that and it costs slightly more to be able to do it long term i mean some of the, the kit that we've got you can just keep going for years and years with rainwater but it, it's more the fact that be prepared and you know you don't have to be very tolerant this stuff doesn't take up a huge amount of space i'm i'm giving him what i would call in inverted commas the look as he says that because he says it doesn't take up a lot of space but when it's not very organized and we have multiples of things it does actually take up quite a lot of space well i tell you what i'd prefer wouldn't you prefer you had a husband who was completely prepared for everything well, uh, well yes yeah i am i am uh i am very grateful you don't I'm, grateful. I, I'm I, just I saying it you know it's just like be prepared be organized i know and i'm quite happy to survive to a point but then after that i just want to die i'm, I, you know, I'm not uh, one of these nutty preppers who prepares for every shit hits the fan situation who you know all right i have everything 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 you could ever want but it's more the fact that i have everything that i need that i've tested that i know how it works that i can turn my hand to it in 10 seconds i just think of like proper sort of end of the world stuff you know like in you know sort of independence day and stuff like that i'm not talking about zombies i'm talking about just i'm talking about unrest i'm talking about 
uh, breakdown of civil disobedience, civil obedience, and the uh, onset of civil disobedience. I'm talking about um, water sources being tampered well, it's just, with. Just like natural disasters and stuff, it's all the same kind of thing, right? Isn't it? And and because they they privatised all the electricity industries, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, so you know, if one grid goes down, they all go down. And the fact is, everything's linked to computers nowadays. And knowing what I do for a living, I don't trust any of them. So if anything happens, I want to make sure my family are able to medicate, my family are able to have fuel, clean water and food. That's important. Yes. No, it, it is. I think, um, I don't know. Do you know what? I, I guess um, for like our parents' generation, it's probably slightly different because obviously... They had rationing. They, well... My parents' generation. My parents are a lot say, older than I'd yours. I'd just like to put in there that my parents were not old enough to be in rationing. But my father but, just missed national service. Yeah. But um, but they obviously, you know, like if you'd experienced it, like their, their parents would have experienced it, it will trickle down to the next generation. But we're so much further removed. That's I don't think we see, we see it in the same we're way. We're softened. Um, uh, as our, well, I, I suppose our grandparents and, and, and their parents would have been. Um, I I think it's like you know, can you turn your hand to that if you needed it? And I think for us, we've got two small boys, and they see me doing stuff like lighting a fire or making a fire. They're not phased by it. They understand it. They know you don't need a massive, you know, brazier full of logs or whatever. That they, they see Daddy doing stuff like this, and you know, they, they've been out in the woods with me when I've made fires and stuff before. And it's, it's all about cooking nature. the marshmallows. It is, really. yeah. But, but I tell you what, if that goes, if that goes into their head that they saw something being cooked, they've seen me cook, you know, pans on open fires and stuff like that, and they've seen me putting army tents up and basher sheets up and making shelters out of nothing. And if any of this goes in, and that's great, that teaches them practical skills. It does, yeah. So I'm just gonna rely on you I'll, I'll whip up some yeah but you're not because you're you're resigned to going oh i'm just gonna die i'd rather well, no, die i'd rather is, die than survive obviously like what we rubbish. have the, the kids and what stuff, rubbish but i don't know i i guess i'm my in my head my, the only thing i can see is that like i say independence day like proper or um what was it the day after tomorrow you know that kind of thing where they like really struggle to survive and then they're probably gonna die but can anyway. i remind you you said to me a few weeks ago that i should take our eldest son, who's only six, next time I go shooting, I should take him with us. You said that. Well, I for a you said, oh, you, second, sh- you should take him. You should take him. Be good for him. For a split second, and I, I thought thinking, that would be a good idea. And then you were like, well, no, because obviously, I just to explain, you went shooting to shoot um, rabbits. rabbits that had myxomatosis. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I was doing someone a favour. So, uh, and you were like, oh, yeah, but, you know, some of them won't quite be dead and you'll have to, like, finish them off and like, all this stuff. And no, I was, it, it, to be honest, I don't shoot anything if it's not a headshot. If it's not a clean headshot, I won't take the shot. But, you know, it, you just, you know, still have to, you don't just leave them in the field. But the, ammuni- the ammunition I use is hollow point ammunition and there isn't much of a head left. That's what I'm saying. If I take a six-year-old to a field, because you said, are you taking with you? I'm thinking, do you know what? We pick well, up, I pick up a rabbit and I can see where its eye once was, but the rest of its head's missing. Yeah, I didn't really think it through to like the nth degree as uh, actually, yeah, it might, might be a little bit too these, much. These aren't small rifles. These are very high-powered rifles. They're designed to kill. You know, I can't take a six-year-old with me. You felt how heavy that thing is. When he's old enough, I will teach him. I will teach both of them respect to firearms and how they shoot, and, and they will both have weapons. But it's more the fact that it's about animal husbandry. It's about being able to shoot your own food. Do you remember when I was standing at my mum's 
or six months ago, I took a took a bird out of the tree from about forty five yards headshot, and it's like perfect. You know, you've got to be able to you've got to be able to practice these skills. You've got to be able to do them. You've got to be able to think well. If there wasn't a Dewhurst, Dewhurst the butcher, Dewhurst the butcher hasn't existed for twenty years. If you couldn't go to Sainsbury's and get a chicken, or you couldn't go and get some lamb chops or whatever, what would you do? And for us, it's like I'll just go and get food. Well, my thing was always I'd eat the dog, but now no. we've got a dog that's really, really skinny as opposed eat to a fat dog. one. <laughs> I'll be teaching the dog to go out in the fields and bring me back the pigeons and pheasants and stuff. Yes, this is the good thing about having a terrier. Like we could eventually sort of try and train her to get stuff. But also it's about, you know, if push comes to shove, you've also got to be able to defend your family. You've also got to, and, and there are very few people, I think, who can adequately defend their families. And that that's important, I think, one day. We may need the skills to do it. And unless, there's going to be a very small percentage of the population who can, without qualms, defend their families and have the, have the equipment to do it. So always be prepared. Always be prepared. But do you think, though, Getting back to the topic in hand, these people who stalk the supermarket aisles, do you think, honestly, they need half the crap they're buying? And don't turn this around on me. Uh, well, there's need and there's need, isn't there? Well, define need. Uh, well, there's a huge amount of food waste. I was watching something recently and it was saying in America that they produce double the amount of food that they actually need. Like, food wastage is so high. So and I know that that happens here as well. We have a lot of people here who throw stuff out. I mean, I'm guilty of it. I mean, you 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 start off uh, with the best intentions of of making lots of salads or whatever else, and then, and then you end up throwing and then you end up throwing yeah. it away, or you know you buy the biggest bag of clementines, and then for that week your children decide actually they don't like clementines anymore, sure. and I don't like clementines, so you know a couple of them end up going mouldy, and you throw them away. But uh, I don't know. I think. I think Christmas is a funny time because you just, you overbuy just because you can. But the shops are only closed for one day. I know, but I think it's or just one that. one and a half days or whatever You have that mentality of, of having like, you know, if you're in the position of being fortunate enough, enough to afford it. But uh, uh, Christmas is a time of excess. I, and I suppose also of being a good hostess, you know, you, you would want, if people were coming to your house, you want to have plenty to offer them at all times. But maybe this is a generational thing, because I remember maybe some of the people listening to this podcast who are of my dotage in their 40s and 50s, the concept of a larder, of a stock cupboard, where your mother or your grandmother had a larder or a stock cupboard, where you would have a lot of those things there. And it wasn't before refrigeration, because refrigeration existed, you know, 1950s, 1960s, people started getting their first, you know, small domestic freezers, now chest freezers, not whatever. But they had a larder and they had a stock cupboard and they had sufficient stuff so that they could make stuff. They had corn flour, they had eggs, they had everything. They would do stuff, whereas now it's more convenient to pick up a pre-made roulade or a pre-made this or pre-made that without having to physically do it and i know people are limited on time people work sometimes you know people are working two or three jobs just just you know you've got to respect people who are working so hard just to pay the bills i don't think roulade is something that people make on a roulade's not rocket science i know but i don't think it's something like a staple diet i know but i know i know these are luxury things but you do see staple stuff people buying buying stuff it's like you know why why would you do that it's like pancake mix people buy pancake mix because they're too lazy and they've still got to crack an egg into it and add milk it's just like why don't you just buy some flour oh no that wasn't why, there... why wouldn't you just buy 59p a, a bag of plain flour i'm sure that we had pancake some sort mix of... for two quid it's like are you 
are you, are you stupid? I'm sure at some point we've had some sort of kids box make your own cake thing and you didn't even have to add an egg. I'm pretty sure you just added like water, water and oil, I think. Yeah. We have dried egg powder, actually. Come the end of the world, we're okay, mate. I bought some. Did you know I had dried egg powder? I didn't, but oh my goodness, I feel so turned on. I have a great, on. great big thing of dried egg powder. Come uh, the end of the world, we're going to be fine for sponge cakes, i tell you that. Thank you for listening. This You've been listening to episode 12, the episode where we prepare for the end of the world. And uh, and I am I am overwhelmed by my husband's um, organised organized skills and his prowess and his egg powder. The fact that I'm a really busy guy and I still have time to save the universe, it's, it's fantastic. But I think everyone should have these skills. Everyone should learn how to do stuff. It's not rocket science. Come back next week for episode 13 where we won't be talking about saving the world. See you next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can subscribe via iTunes on your Apple device. If you are an Android user, we recommend using CastBox, available free from the Google Play Store. Find us on Facebook. Search Not Quite the Afterglow.